Today on the podcast is James Blake. James is the founder and managing director of Vindicta Digital, an SEO, digital marketing and web design agency. He has recently co-founded eProglide Limited, an e-scooter retail company. Aside from founding companies, he's the owner of Black Holdings Group, which is an investment firm for online projects and property management. And he has recently become a council member in Barb's agency council. One of the standout points to this is that James has done all of this and more and is yet to have his 30th birthday. Throughout the course of the chat today, we'll be talking about his motivations, the trials, tribulations he has encountered throughout his career so far. We'll be focusing specifically on how he's managed to do so much at a young age and the complications and challenges that come from being such a young CEO. James, welcome. Pleasure to be here, John. Pleasure Um, to be here. No worries. So before we get started, can you just give me a bit more of an intro into yourself and your background, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you say, I, I'm all of those things that you just mentioned and, and that's, that's, that's what I do. Um, background wise, I come from a working class background. Um, my dad was a taxi driver. My mom was a charity worker um, slash politician for part of her life. Um, and yeah, so pretty much had, had a sort of normal upbringing, um, went, went to normal school. Uh, it's the typical entrepreneur cliche, hated school, um, academically, um, I, I was intelligent, I was smart, but I kind of thought to myself, like, you know, why am I getting given this? Because it's not something I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, so naturally then I've done very well in things that I had passion for, but purely in things that I, I had no, no care for. Um, left school, went into, um, started my first online business at 17. When I learned myself a little bit of basic coding, built a website, started selling um, fitness plans through the website. Um, I contracted in personal trainers to work with me. They done the plans. I sold them online. That business went fairly well, but it wasn't like enough to really set the world on fire. Um, Then I started to work for companies. I went into work for a, um, I worked for a sales company for two years. I then went into work for a Google premier partner um, as a marketing consultant. And I worked there for a couple of years. Then I got headhunted by a digital marketing firm. Um, went in there as business development manager. Within a year, I was sales director with profit share, profit share within the company. At this point, I was only like 21, 22, which was yeah. unheard of at that age. Um, and following that, I then decided um, the digital marketing industry, there's a lot of bump. There's a lot of nonsense and, and bullshit. I don't want to swear on us, but there is. Yeah. Um, and I decided that I wanted to approach it differently. I wanted to be totally transparent, totally honest, and actually build a company that provides really incredible results, um, which is what I've managed to do in the last four years. So that's kind of where I'm at. And within that amount of time, I have done other things as well, obviously, yeah. other other projects and hustles as well. Yeah, we'll touch on some of those anyways throughout the next yeah, five yeah, minutes totally. or so. So going back to your start, um, could you yeah. just f- speak about your, your your first management position and how did you make the transition from individual com- contributor to manager? Uh, I suppose um, my first management position probably would have been within the sales company that I worked for. And I was only like, I would have been 18 or something or 19. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the transition was pretty natural for me. Um, I have always been... a you know, throughout my entire youth, a keen sports person. And um, I, you know, was like captain of football teams. And, you know, like I was just always in sort of leader, leadership positions outside of career stuff and business stuff. So it kind of just happened naturally. And um, to be honest, uh, my style of leadership would be 
fairly informal and very leveled in terms of where all, everybody's an equal. Yeah. Um, so I think that it, it was sort of quite a natural transgression for me. Um, and it was funny because I went into, uh, I suppose, a leadership position within that company. But when I then worked for the Google Premier Partner, I was then back on a sort of um, a lower level. Yeah. Um, however, it was on a bigger wage and it was a more sort of taxing job. Um, but uh, yeah, so I suppose it was the, the, the transition for me was fairly fairly easy, I suppose, if yeah. that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, some, so about your, like, maybe not your first management position there, but when you when you moved into more kind of responsibilities, what was uh, something about management that nobody told you would happen uh, that you found out? Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose, uh, you know, I suppose that, you know, you don't know, if I'm looking at this, I'll, I'll answer this question from the context of when I worked in a company, yeah, yeah, but not from the context of now. So the context of when I worked for for, for this large company, um, what I didn't know was that people would then begin to sort of resent you a little bit because you you, you had stepped into a manage, management position, and that that might have been due to my age as well because yeah. there there had been people that had been working there for a long time. I this kid came in. And all of a sudden, he's telling he's you know he's telling me what to do kind of thing, and um, I suppose that was quite challenging. But fortunately, I had performed extremely well within the company, so it meant that it wasn't as harsh on the, the guys that I was working with. You know, it yeah. wasn't like a big kick in the teeth, yeah, uh, because they could understand why I, I was had, was put into that position. So it wasn't really that difficult. But I think one of one of the things that you don't expect is the people that potentially you gelled with before and, you know, before you went into that position, all of a sudden aren't so cool with you anymore. Um, And that's just, that's just part and parcel of, I suppose, being a leader, isn't it? Yeah. Becoming, taking the leadership position. Yeah. Yeah. And um, after your management, what was the stage then when you decided that's it, I want to go out on my own and set up my own company? Yeah. 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 So that, that was always going to happen. That was yeah. always, that was always part of the bigger picture. Um, I, you know, uh, uh, I wanted to do that when I was 17 and I, and I attempted it at 17, which was pretty ballsy of me, but, uh, it didn't, it didn't generate me enough money to, to make a living from it. Um, so it was always on the cards. It was always going to happen. And basically, um, I always remember my mom actually always saying to me whenever I was younger, just treat everything as a stepping stone. And and she knew what I wanted to do. Like she knew that I wanted to be my own boss and build my own business and build my own thing. So she always said to me, you know, just treat it as a stepping stone. It's 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 just part of the bigger picture. And that, and that's really what it was. I mean, all of those positions that I've done up till now, even uh, whenever I was, uh, what, 15, 16, Maybe you shouldn't say that because I don't think it's illegal to work at 15, is it? <laughs> uh, but uh, even whenever I was really young, I was working in shops, stacking yeah, shelves, yeah, yeah. you know, all of those kind of jobs and, um, you know, all of like promotional jobs and stuff. And like that was all part of developing skill sets, developing me as an individual. So every single position that I've done has aided me to where I am now, which is uh, I'm totally grateful for. And what your first, lead, uh, your first company after the Google company was um, Vindicta, is it? Or... Uh, no, so I, I worked for the premier partner and then I worked for a, uh, an established 10-year-old digital marketing company. Right. Um, and I worked there for a year, and probably eight months, nine months, something like that. 
And did was there a, a transition period between when you founded the company and that company, or was it kind of a hard break? Uh, it was kind of like um, last three months of my employment within that business as as a sales director. I was kind of working on my own hustle on the side. Yeah. Um, and um, I had everything in place. And then um, I suppose it was just building up to that point where I was literally like, right, let's do this. I'm ready to go. Let's get it done. Yeah. And I remember the day giving him a resignation. And literally, uh, I, I remember it as, as bright as day, actually, because I was just sitting there and I, I sent the email and, I, and then instantly picked up the phone and started calling businesses uh, and introdu- introducing myself as James Blake from Vindicta. And at yeah. that time, Vindicta didn't have a website. It didn't have anything. Um, all I knew was I had a month, a month and a half to, to make something or else I was completely screwed because I didn't get any profit share. I'd never got my last pay packet. So I literally had like 500 quid in my name. You know, I, don't ha- I didn't have rich parents or anything to tap for money. Yeah. So I literally was completely screwed. I had to move. Uh, actually, the three months prior, I moved back home as well. And I was living back in a wee tiny box room, which was my office. Yeah. Uh, literally like a couple of meters squared. And that's sort of where it started, I suppose. And what? Um, how long were you on your own, say, as part of that? Or did you have um, co-workers soon enough? Not very long because um, actually one of the guys that I employed at the, the, the company that I left, um, he actually handed in his resignation too and came to work work with me on a self-employed basis. Um, and that, that's how much he believed in what I wanted to do as well. Yeah. He actually just gave his resignation in too. He was literally like, right, I'm going to come and help you, help you sell stuff, help you sell the services. And he, he did, and he, he done it for a while, and then the fellow moved away. Um, but uh, very, very thankful and grateful for the input he had at the start. Yeah. And what kind of um, like a hiring process do you have yourself? Um, does it differ to the other companies you've joined before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Uh, I mean, it's I, I see what we do as um, extremely essential and important to any business's success, digital marketing and digital is the world that we live in. It has to be done. It's totally essential. So when I'm looking for people to work with us, um, I'm not just looking somebody who has like really good grades and has done such and such university course or whatever. Um, I want to see a portfolio and I, and I want to see someone who comes into me and is passionate as hell you know, somebody that really loves what they do. Uh, I don't care if it's just designing logos. If they really love designing logos and they absolutely just they live for it, then I, I would love to have them on board as part of our team. Um, but if somebody was to come in and sort of be like, you know, here's my CV and it's, it's huge, it's a massive list, they've accomplished a lot of things, but they don't have that passion that we're looking for, it just wouldn't be for me, to be honest with you. I, I definitely think the passion over over trumps everything everything else in my book yeah yeah so yeah. like um you, you've mentioned uh in some other interviews that i've read about you that um you've gotten help from gary vaynerchuk um and have kept yeah. in contact with him to this day how did that yeah, come yeah, about yeah. so that's that's pretty random actually so gary um this was kind of back before gary really blew up as well right. which is cool uh, i think gary at the time had like 200k followers or something which yeah. just sounds like it sounds like a lot but in this day and age, it's not really. I yeah. mean, and compared I to what he has now, yeah. Oh, like he's like eight, eight million now. He's, he's a globally recognized guy. He's been on different TV shows in America. He's been on, you know, all these things. But 
Anyway, so um, whenever I was planning to start Vindicta, um, I made a list of the top entrepreneurs that inspired me. Yeah. And I had been following Gary for quite a while, consuming his content. And I, and I had been very, like, um, even whenever I worked within companies, like I set my own website up for me as a digital marketing consultant. I was actively trying to become a digital go-to person, yeah. even though I was within companies and just at that time an employee. And um, that was something that I suppose from absorbing Gary's stuff had instilled in me that, you know, you have to have personal brands and you have to have this. So anyway, I made a list of like the top 10 entrepreneurs that I really aspire to be like and that love their stuff. And I contacted them all and I, I absolutely hounded them for like three, four, five weeks. And I just kept banging out emails. Um, hardly any of them replied. I remember one did reply. And she actually follows me on social media still as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say her name, but okay. she, she's very, very well-established entrepreneur, very successful. And she, um, she actually gave me a quote for mentoring back then. And it was like, I remember getting the email like, yeah, I'm happy to help you out and stuff. And I was like, amazing. And then um, like the next day, her PA emailed me with an invoice for like 20 Gs. <laughs> and I was like, I was like 20 Gs? Where, where am I getting math from? So um, anyway, I didn't even have 200 pounds, never mind 20 Gs. So uh, that was fine. And then Gary emailed me back and was just like sending me some like really nice advice. And um, we started swapping emails. And then he, he um, I, I sent him an email basically saying that I, uh, I would love to meet him and yeah. that I would literally spend the last few quid that I had to go and meet him. And we actually arranged to meet in London. He, he got us... PA Tyler, I think his name was at the time, to get in touch with me to organize a meeting in London. And this was just whenever they were starting to open their London office, VaynerMedia. Yeah. And um, I was pumped and we got the date, we got the time and stuff. But then Gary got stuck in Boston. His flight got stuck. I don't know what happened, but he emailed me, stuck in Boston, can't make it, sad face, whatever. Um, and that was kind of it. And that, that kind of knocked that on its head a wee bit. But Gary follows me on Instagram and yeah. you know, like he's, he's still there. So um, I'm kind of waiting, I'm waiting till we, you know, we're, we're expanding and, and things, but I'm waiting till we really blow. And then yeah. I'm going to hit him Get up and be and, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm going to hit him up and be like, you know, I'm so grateful and thankful for everything. And um, yeah, so yeah, it's, that's, it's an it's interesting story. Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah. So it, it does bring me on to my next point. Um, and that's the importance of, of mentors in general. Um, yeah. Have you have you used other mentors in the past uh, and like at all? No, not 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 on a personal level. Like um, I, I I kind of I feel like it, it's I find inspiration from many different things and um, I do you know like there's individuals that I would watch online and, and and I read their books. Like I'm a massive massive advocate for self development in audio books, especially. Yeah. Uh, like I never have Audible off in the car, and you know. What do you listen to? What do you listen to now? At the, at the at this moment in time, I am listening to Grant Cardone. If you're not first, you're last. Right. Which is an incredible book, right? Because he talks about recessions, he talks about difficult times, um, and it's a, it's a really good book. Um, and then there's a whole variety, you know. Like looking looking here on my desk, actually, uh, I've got. The Secret, The Power of Now, I've got 10 Rules for Life, yeah. um, massive fan of um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which is an incredible book. 
um, which is I feel like a lot of books these days are derived from, um, because they all kind of regurgitate the stuff that was written in this. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. Mentor wise, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say about a, a mentor as per se, but I definitely take inspiration from from certain yeah. individuals. Yeah. For anyone who's listening, we will we do have a list of books that are recommended from all of our speakers on the website uh, youngleaders.tech. So I, I'll be putting up um, your recommendations on the link to this uh, podcast as well. I'll get those off you. Um, Absolutely, I yeah. I'll send them over. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Perfect. Um. So um. Last year, uh, you were selected as one of the top five business people under thirty in Northern Ireland by the Belfast Trade. That's up there that, on the wall behind you. That's, that's it behind me. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you find? There's a, yeah. a few more over there, actually. Yeah, fill up the wall soon enough. Yeah. yeah. How how do you find the industry in Northern Ireland? Like, have you given thought to opening up offices in other countries? Digital marketing wise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, listen, see, to be honest with you, we, yes, we're primarily based in, in Northern Ireland, and I'm actually, I'm in our Lisburn office right now. Yeah. Um, don't know if you know Lisburn, but it's right yeah, outside I do, Belfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we we used to have um, a, a working office in Belfast. We kind of changed that to make it Lisburn, and now we just have, like, um, addresses in different areas that we use. Um, we have, you know, like, satellite offices in England and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, like we have, I would say 70% of our clientele are um, England. Yeah. And uh, we also have clients in Europe. So we've got Spanish clients, um, which we're actually just about to launch a project for at the moment, a luxury property company, um, which is really exciting. And we also have clients in the States. So, I mean, we're very diversified in that sense. And I, I have always been a massive believer of um, not, you know, not going down that route of opening up these big ass buildings with tons of bums on seats in that building and trying to sort of make that be your thing. I, I, I definitely think that that's totally against everything that the digital world should be yeah. about. Um, and like, you know, if somebody applied for a role of us and they were based in Timbuktu or Kazakhstan or I don't know, wherever in the world, yeah. um, if they were really good and they were passionate, they would, they would be in with a shot. You know, but yeah, like that's just show, like a lot of the companies now throughout the pandemic are finding this problem where they're signed into massive leases. They're probably going to have to end up with uh, an online presence or people working from home anyways. So that, that's probably the, the right angle to take. I think so. And do you know what? See, see from um, employing that angle very early on. Now, we did get an office very early on, to be honest. We had an office after we got our first client. Um, but that was just really somewhere for us all to work from at the start. Um, see why it's sort of not you know targeting the likes of Liverpool, Leeds, Manchester, London, and not being like right. We need to get a bricks and mortar office in those areas, even though we do have the use of satellite offices. But it, yeah. it, that that has allowed us to scale a lot more, yeah. Because we don't have these huge overheads, um, and we deliver an incredible service. So having only sort of one or two offices for us. I think that's all we need. I don't yeah. think we need any more, to be honest. Yeah, yeah cool. That's, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so, uh, w- moving on to uh, speaking of the pandemic, we can't avoid it at this stage. One of the big problems uh, I'm seeing now with certain companies going through at the moment is that coming into the pandemic, they had very little of an online presence and little or no means of marketing to their customers, like apart from word of mouth or footfall past their stores. How, how have you seen these companies adapt? Um, how are you helping them along the way, basically? Okay, so this is something that I'm very passionate about, and I feel like um, 
the reason why is because I suppose it's a little bit biased in a sense because for the last, you know, I don't know, I've been in this industry for what, nearly 10, uh, well, I suppose you could say 10 years because I started yeah. an online business at 17 and I'm 27 now. Um, I have literally been banging on about digitizing businesses for God knows how long and um, you would not believe, especially in the early days of starting Vindicta and even before that, you would not believe the amount of companies that said, oh, we don't need to digitize. We don't need to be online. We, we get, you know, John down the road refers us work all the time or such and such. And we're, we're well established. We're well known. And then two years later, someone comes out of nowhere and dominates online, totally destroys Google. They get all the website traffic. And two years after that, the other guys are, are really struggling and they're yeah. flying. Um, and I feel like this whole COVID thing has really given people a bit of a wake up call. Yeah. Um, and there's so much opportunity out there. Like, um, to give you an example, um, we have a client who this year alone has done nearly eight million pound in revenue, all via their website, totally via their website. Um, you mentioned ePro Glide Limited, which is yeah. the, the the electric scooter business that has it's a very new company. Um, we've only been trading officially online for about a month and a half. Um, and we're already turning over six-figure revenues. Um, and it's all through the website. It's all online. It's all through Google Ads, search engine optimization, social media, remarketing, the whole spectrum of digital. Yeah. And I feel like, and I actually, I, I put a video out there a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn talking about this. I feel like um, digital really does have the potential to save businesses um, that are potentially going to go down the tubes because they're they're not... They're not adapting. And it also not only has the, the ability to save businesses, but also to allow them to thrive and, and potentially do far better than they've ever done. Yeah. Um, but it's adopting that mindset where you're not scared of it. You know, it, it, it should be a natural pro progression, I think, at this point in 2020. Yeah. So you spoke of one of your yeah. partnerships there that's doing fairly well. So I, I, <laughs> I presume a, a lot of your job circles around making new partnerships, forming trustworthy relationships with companies you will be working with. Have you had uh, issues with your clients who are skeptical to do business with you purely because of your age? <laughs> I, I remember looking at this question before the interview and laughing because uh, not, not so much now. I'm a little bit older now. Yeah. Um, but I came in here, I came into the offices uh, yesterday and a guy was walking out. And I, I pull up and I, I have a I have an Audi TT yeah. uh, out there and he, he goes to me, well, a lovely car, but you, you don't look old enough to drive it. And you know what? That very morning, I had just purchased my dream car, which is an Audi R8, and it arrives on Friday. And I was like, well, if you don't think I look old enough to drive this, wait till you see what I just bought. And I just, <laughs> I just whipped the phone out and just showed him it. And he was just like, what the hell? Um, so I feel like now... Not so much, you know, I do have a bit of a baby face, like, but not so much at the start, big time, yeah, big time. Like, um, I remember actually, um, going into a meeting, I think the meeting was in Uri or something like that. Um, and I remember walking in and I was only, I was only like 23, I was only 23, and I went in and I remember walking in in the suit and I had like the, the free piece suit on, the tie done and stuff, you know, because you're trying to make an impression and, yeah. and it's. You think to yourself, if I dress like this, I'll look older or I'll get more respect. But it actually has the opposite effect because you actually look like a kid in a the suit then. But anyway, <laughs> um, but so I went in. I went into the meeting and I remember going in and the guy was like really taken back. And I, I, I remember sort of being like, 
how you doing? I'm James and, and nice to meet you. I, I'm here today to talk to you about your digital marketing. And he was like, you're James? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, um, he was actually quite rude. I remember him being quite rude. And he was like, you're only a kid. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But look, like, look I, I, I remember at that point, I didn't know what to say. And it was really awkward. Like, I was really yeah. awkward about it. And, uh, and he was like, um, ring, ring your boss there, ring your boss and, and tell him, you know, I want to speak to him. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, there's no point in me wasting the time of, you know, like this. And I, rem I remember, I could have let that put me off, but it didn't because it, it actually spurred me on even more, to be honest. But um, I definitely think at the start, there was a little bit of that um, sort of, you know, he's only a kid or whatever. And uh, especially when it started Vindictin, it was, it was my, own, my own baby. And, you know, people are kind of thinking, you're too young to have a business. You're too young to do this. And, you know, that's bullshit because, uh, you know, Colonel Sanders didn't start KFC till he was 65. Yeah. Um, Warren Buffett didn't make his biggest investments till he was well in his 50s. And, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, you can't be an investor because you're not 50 or you can't open a, a Kentucky Fried Chicken because you're not 65. That's just not how it works. Everybody's an individual. Elon Musk was coding PayPal software when he was like 15. Do you know, yeah. like it's it is what it is. Yeah, and how how would you define your communication style? Um, uh, to, uh, to to your clients, to your to your staff, is it different? Do you act differently? Uh, no, like very direct. I I um I'm very like see the way I'm I'm getting on right now. This is yeah. the way I get on, and I I I made the mistake whenever I was younger again at the very start of thinking that because you've seen all these business guys walking around stiff as a rake, like there's a brush shaft up their ass. <laughs> uh, you, you know, do you know what I mean? You, you yeah, kind of yeah. think to yourself, yeah. oh, you know, you need to be stiff. You need to be very serious. And yes, there's, there is times that you need to be extremely serious. And, you know, especially when you're expanding, there's decisions you need to make and things you need to do. But for, for the most part, I, I like to be quite informal and um, like to just talk to people how we're talking. And I think that that's the best way to do it. And even whenever I'm with clients, um, or if I'm given any kind of presentation, which typically I, uh, I don't do with PowerPoints or anything like that. I'd rather just talk on a human to human level um, about what we're doing. Yeah. Um, in, in, in those situations, you know, I am very upfront, very honest, transparent, and I do not use tactical terms. You know, I won't, I won't talk about like the, 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 the data, the schema data or event tracking code tags and things like this here. Like, cause I know that they're, they're going to look at me like a two, two heads, yeah. but I, 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 I word it to them in a way that it's like, you know, look at this little bit on Google. Basically, if we do this, this is where you'll be. And, and I, I feel like that is the most effective way to explain things. Keep it simple. Um, uh, there, I think there's a saying that if you overcomplicate things, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, if you can simplify things, then you do. So that's the approach that I take. Well, that's a that's a good quote. I like that one. Um, yeah. 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 Was, was there any times um, when you felt like you were in over your head at any stage? Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah Fruitful now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, listen, I I've always I've always envisioned really big things for myself, and yeah. Um, I feel like um the reason why I don't really ever feel like that is because I have such big expectations for myself. You know, yeah. like um, like. You know, whenever whenever April hit a hundred grand revenue in its first, you know, few weeks, I I'm sort of sitting there thinking, right, hundred G's. I'm thinking I want five hundred. You know, and and it's the same with Vindicte. We get a client and we get a big project. I'm thinking, right, we we we'll, we we'll, we'll want to do do the best that we can do with this because we want to get more out of it. We want to grow it. Um, 
And I think that, that that always allows you to never really feel overwhelmed because you're always kind of setting those those targets so high that there's nothing can really overwhelm you because when you get there, you're just going to want more. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a really a really good way of combating that for me anyway. Um, but there are, there has been days where you have, I suppose you, you're thinking to yourself like, Jesus, like, you know, there's what a lot going on here. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you mentioned that you, you started, well, I mentioned as well, the EPRO Glide Limited. Was that mm-hmm. a, that's, you're starting that in the middle of a pandemic. Um, was that something that you had kind of planned before this all started or was that just an opportunity? That um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I do have, I've, on, on EPRO Glide, I've got, um other individuals involved as well um and we we discussed this way at the start of the year to be honest with you um and electric scooters electric mobility in general yeah um is huge and yeah. the the market is going to be rapidly expanding in the next couple of years so for me it was a no-brainer um especially given our resources and skill set in terms of online um, it's a total no-brainer um, and also I've, I've been in Europe a, a fair bit and they're everywhere in Europe um, so it was just a no-brainer like, but it was always planned and I think that um, COVID and lockdown really give us that opportunity to be like right let's do this because yeah. I, I kind of wanted to, to prove that you could build something in the middle of all of this shit because there's a lot of negativity around there's a lot of people a lot of doom and gloom some of it rightly so some of it, I feel like people are just kind of feeling sorry for themselves a little bit, to be honest. And I, I know that that can sound a bit harsh, but I definitely think it's happening. Um, so I kind of wanted to be like, right, let's do something. Let's make something happen. And, and we have. So, yes, it's, it's been good. Yeah, that's it. It does seem like uh, something that will take off pretty quickly, I'd say, once uh, everything opens back up again. Absolutely. Um, so in, in terms of um, like you, you mentioned culture uh, and like a lot of fra- uh, leaders would use the phrase culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, so how do you what kind of culture do you build in your in your in your office, in your workplaces? Um, I, I build a culture of um, nobody works for me. Everybody works with me. Right. So um, regardless of what you do within the business, um, everybody is equal. It is a team effort and there is no. Uh, manage, managerial hierarchy or anything like that. Uh, actually, this guy here behind me, Elon Musk, um, who is an unbelievable entrepreneur, um, he has always, uh, uh, from what I've studied from him anyway, uh, it seems to be that he does not like managerial hierarchies as well, um, simply because of the, I, I suppose it's the kind of like stiffness it creates and the, the, the false sense of authority that people can get yeah and i think that keeping things cool level everybody's in the same playing field you know if this works for me uh it's going to help everybody um and that's the way we work yeah cool um so you said you said you said before around audiobooks and that uh, one of my favorite quotes and the one i use when actually people ask me about this uh the meetup like what does the young (laughs) leaders in tech stand for um, it's from Henry Ford. Anyone who keeps stops learning, learning is young, whether at twenty or eighty. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. So what, yeah. what? What? What do you do to continue yours? You said audiobooks as well. Do you do anything else apart from yeah. that? Yeah, I, I just I just love to say I actually love that quote. Um, yeah, it's a very good one. Hen- Henry Ford, what a guy! Like what a guy. Um, have you have you heard of one? He, this is an incredible quote. Like it's so powerful. Um. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. 
And I just think that is so powerful. <laughs> it's so simple. Yeah. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And I just think it is so powerful. But that was Henry Ford, I think, yeah. Yeah. Now, hopefully I'm not wrong, but I think it is. <laughs> uh, but um, I, so um, going back to the question about... Um, so, so Continual learning, yeah. Staying in yeah. terms of development. Absolutely, 100%. Like, um, even in, in the office today, like, my PA Gosha was sitting there, um, and I, I had um, socially distanced, obviously. Um, yeah. And I I had on the the um, computer... I had um, like a, a the background. First of all, it was um, a Grant Cardone um, session um, around uh, business development and revenues. And then following that, it was um, Neil Patel on talking about digital marketing trends for 2021. And even during that, like Gosha was picking stuff up and, and saying stuff to me. I was picking things up while I was working. And I just always have that constantly going it's during a working day. Weekends, you know, I'll maybe listen to a bit of hip hop, a bit of Tupac. But yeah. during the week, it's all it's all focus, it's all go, and I feel like self development and audio books and things like that are a massive part of um driving forward for me. They keep they keep me so focused. Like yeah. everyone has bad days, um, and, and days where you don't feel as focused as maybe you should. But sticking on a good audio book, um, can really get you pumped. Like it can yeah. really put you in the zone. Yeah. And I'm 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 almost out of questions here. Um, so like one last thing I just want is, uh, what is your key takeaway for someone who might be starting out in a position like you or back when you were younger, maybe, as well? I think it's just like, uh, grit and and resilience is super important because at the very start, you know, it wasn't easy. Like you know, it's not easy. Um, especially whenever no one knows who you are and you're you you know at the start of Indicta, like. We didn't even have a website, as I say, and we were selling websites, you know, yeah. so we, we went and found developers, but we didn't have our own website and we were making it. And then we tried to do the whole digital marketing uh, 101, the big red flag, which is we tried to get the cheapest labor we could uh, at the very start. And we went to um, developers who were based in India that were like super cheap and we, we, we contracted them up and we started working with them. And I remember saying to the, to one of them, um, we really love this website that this digital marketing company has, and we want to replicate this. Yeah. Um, my replicate, not actually replicate, <laughs> but anyway, long story short, one week later, we have a, a, a letter from a solicitor um, because our website was an exact replica of this existing company. So I remember phoning um, Philip and I was like, Philip, get into the office, get into the office now. This was at 12 o'clock at night and we stayed up from 12 o'clock to like 3 a.m. or something and um, pulling all this shit down that this guy had made for us. So um, like, I think it's just like realizing that there's a lot of shit goes wrong at the start and it, it, it there's a lot of like different things happen. And there's also going to be a lot of people that say to you, you know, there, there was people told me I had bit off more than I could chew. There was people telling me that I had got such a good job at such a young age within a company. Why would I make the leap? Um, you obviously didn't know me very well, but they were saying that. Um, and and you know, like there was other people, you know, that you you, you kind of build up this thing in your head because I I actually remember whenever I did launch Vindicta, I was constantly bombarding social media with you know, I'm launching this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I actually got a lot of stick for it from people who lived in the town that I grew up in, and I remember someone put something online about me and stuff and all of this. And I remember seeing it and you know what, to be honest with you, it did quite upset me because there was people, you know, posting it and whatever. 
yeah. who um, would say hi to me in the street and I considered as, you know, friends or whatever, or, or at least, you know, people that were, were nice. Um, yeah. So like those things happen, especially when you're trying to make an impact. If you're trying to make something happen and you're trying to be different, it's going to remind people that they're not doing it and it's going to make people feel bad about themselves. And they will naturally then be aggressive towards you or say stuff about you and whatever. And you have to be prepared for that, I think. I think that that is super yeah. important, especially when you're young, especially yeah. when you're young. Um, but you know what? It's well worth it. Like, cause see, see, once you get to a certain stage and you're financially in a good position and, you know, you've got flexibility and you're building something that you're really passionate about, it totally makes up for anything that, you know, could be could be harsh or bad. It's just it's just being resilient enough to keep pushing. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you found that this helped you in any way and might help someone else, it'd be great if you could like, subscribe and share it on any of the social medias you're involved on. We do have a website at youngleaders.tech where you can find links to all of our social media accounts. There you can also listen back to other podcasts, meet up recordings and have a look at our reading list where we have a list of books, podcasts and blogs that have been recommended by our speakers. I'm always looking for new speakers as well, so there's a contact form on the website where you can send speaker recommendations if you know of anyone that would be suitable. Again, thanks for listening and I hope you come back to the next episode.